Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. As of March 7th, you can join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at our new church home at 5103 Pegasus Court. You can also continue to watch online on Facebook or through the Church Center app. Either way, we hope you join us. Now, let's check out Sunday's message. I'm going to start by taking a few moments to celebrate what happened last week at Collective. And if you are new here, one thing we do as a church is we celebrate what God is doing. And I'll take time out of my sermon because we think it's that important. And I don't just want the staff and leaders to celebrate during the week. We want you all to celebrate with us. And so last week was Easter. It was also the fifth Sunday that this building had been opened. And there were over 380 people that showed up to our two services and an additional 200 that watched online. To be honest, for us, for Collective, it felt normal, right? It felt like things were back to the way they were before the pandemic started, and it was amazing. Uh, We celebrated three baptisms. You all invited and brought people here. I heard a story of someone who was a second-time guest, and they brought a first-time guest with them. I heard stories about people who joined us online for the first time in years. They hadn't done church in years, but they watched Easter online. Dozens of people shared prayer requests or checked a box to join a small group or join the team or even get baptized. There were kids who were in Collective Kids for the first time who didn't want to leave when church was over. And which it just means it was a great Sunday and we're so glad that you joined us in person or online for Easter. Now, a huge week like last week leads to one big question that many of you have right now. When are we going to two services in this building? And as you can feel it, That's a great question. Uh, But I'm just gonna be honest, we really aren't sure yet. There are kind of multiple things at play right now. Um, We don't want to add a second service until we run out of safely spaced out seats in the auditorium, which looking at what's happening right now, uh, that's happening right now. But I also said this a few weeks ago, we don't want to move to multiple services until our Sunday morning teams grow, especially in Collective Kids, which a few weeks ago I said we needed 12 volunteers. We've actually had eight uh, volunteers to serve back there, half of which we're students. So I wanna give a big shout out to our middle schoolers and high schoolers who are stepping up in this church right now. But the reason why you loved last week, the reason why we loved last week was because 50 people chose to serve on Sunday and create environments where you and your friends and your kids and your family could experience the hope that Jesus has to offer. And so we're gonna keep you updated. Um, Just be patient with us as we try to figure this out. Our hope is to go to two services soon and it could be happening sooner rather than later. Ultimately, if you keep showing up and bringing people, we don't have a choice and we'll add a second service on Sunday mornings. It's a good problem to have. A few weeks ago, someone posted on the Everything Frederick page on Facebook looking for a church to attend. And when the post came across my newsfeed, there were over 100 responses and about 25% of them were people saying, you need to check out Collective. And I'm not gonna lie, I love, I like scrolled through each one just to see. Uh, I love how proud of this church you are. I love that you brag about Collective and share it with your friends and your family and even strangers on social media. And I loved seeing names of people saying, hey, you need to go to Collective. And I'm looking at that name going, I don't know if I know who that person is. Because it's so encouraging to know that other people in this church and even outside this church will say, hey, if you're gonna check out a church, Collective is the church you should check out. 
And I was looking through the list and I could see there are people that don't go here, or even people that go to other churches saying, hey, if you're gonna pick a church, you need to go to Collective. Well, I was encouraged by the love that we got on Facebook. Another thing stood out to me that actually really bothered me. And this didn't come from any of you, I promise. I'm not passive aggressive, I'm aggressive aggressive. So if it was you, I would just tell you it was you. But other people in the post kept saying, enjoy church shopping, good luck church shopping, have fun church shopping. Now, for anyone who hasn't heard that phrase before, it's exactly what it sounds like. In Christian culture, there's this idea that it's totally cool to jump from church to church to church and shop until you find the perfect church. And what it does, it actually perpetuates this cycle of constantly rotating churches based on preferences and personal needs, rather than settling into a church for the long haul, getting involved and building relationships. Church shoppers approach finding a church in the same way we approach finding a new pair of jeans. Like you look at all the options, choosing the fit, the choice that fits your preferences right now, you buy it, but then at some point you realize you don't really like them anymore or maybe uh, Gen Z tells you that skinny jeans aren't in anymore and then you have to get rid of them. They're not. You can still wear skinny jeans, people, okay? Don't listen to Gen Z. Gosh, you guys are ruining our childhoods. But studies have shown that people who take a shopping mentality when it comes to church never actually find what they're looking for because what they do is they stay for a few weeks or maybe a few months and then they leave. Now, here's the truth. Jumping from church to church in pursuit of the perfect church that will fit all of your desires is detrimental to your faith because that church doesn't exist. And that's why we're starting this series today. It's called Stop Going to Church. Think about it, right? Uh, we used to, and we kind of get to now, go to movies. You can go to a coffee shop. You can go to work. You can go to a show. You can go to a grocery store. But church isn't really something that you go to. It's something that you're a part of. So this goal of the series is to get you to stop going to church, to stop church shopping, and for you to take the next step in your faith. Now, for some of you, your next step is simply coming back to make Sunday mornings and being here a priority to see what God can do in your life. For some of you, your next step will be moving from showing up on Sundays to investing your time and energy in this community. And for some of you who are serving in this church, it will be inviting and walking alongside other people as they navigate their faith. And for some of you, it's setting aside time during the week to read your Bible or pray or do a daily devotional. Either way, this whole series is all about next steps. And I believe that if you apply what we talk about in the month of April, years from now, you will look back at this moment and you'll say, that's when things began to change. That's when I started to see God really move in my life. And I don't think that's an overstatement. And the verses that will be core to this series come from the book of Revelation. Revelation is the last book of the Bible and it's classified as apocalyptic in genre because the majority of the book is about the end times. Now, side note, one of the applications is, hey, maybe you should take time to read your Bible this week. If you are wanting to start your Bible, reading your Bible more and thinking, I like apocalyptic movies, so I should start with Revelation. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> Don't. Start with the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or start in the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs. Don't start with Revelation because it's incredibly confusing. In fact, Christians heavily debate what it all means, and there are actual arguments and dividing lines in churches about the interpretation of it all. And, but if you do choose to read it, here's some of the best advice I received about the book of Revelation. As you read it, 
focus on the characteristics of God and the spiritual details of heaven, because although it's very different than the other books of the Bible, it's just another book that shows us what God actually wants for us. All right, back to the details of the book. It was most likely written by John. John was one of Jesus's 12 closest followers. And actually last week I mentioned that John was exiled and died alone for his belief in Jesus. Well, most scholars believe that during his exile on the island of Patmos in Greece is where he wrote this book of Revelation. And while he was there, he received visions or revelations from Jesus and he wrote them down. And part of what he wrote down were letters to the seven churches that were in Asia at the time. And in Revelation three, he addresses a church in Laodicea And this is part of what John wrote on Jesus's behalf in Revelation 3. It says this, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. All right, so let's dig into this for a little bit. When John writes this, he's speaking directly to the Laodiceans and he's actually referencing something that they uniquely understand, lukewarm water. And that's because the main water supply came from a six mile aqueduct from the hot springs of Heropolis. And because the water came from hot springs, it arrived unappetizingly lukewarm. Now, I know that some of you disagree with me about lukewarm beverages. I've talked about this like multiple times from the stage, but they suck, right? Lukewarm beverages are just gross. If the beer, if the draft beer temperature is off and you get a lukewarm beer, you might drink the beer, but it's not as good as ice cold beer. If you go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a latte, it's always lukewarm, right? When was the last time you went to Dunkin' Donuts and actually got a latte that was hot? And somebody like, this morning, no, it wasn't, I promise you. <laughs> there has never been a time in the history of Dunkin' Donuts when they served a latte that was warmer than room temperature. And for you Dunkin' lovers, you're just wrong, and I'm sorry, Starbucks for life. But the temperature is lukewarm. It's always lukewarm. But you'll still drink the latte, because if you don't, you're gonna scream at everyone at work all day. Right? A lukewarm latte is not better than a hot latte. Lukewarm soda is disgusting. Lukewarm sweet tea is gross. Lukewarm milk is a bad choice. <laughs> so John is sharing Jesus' message to the church and he's talking to Christians. And this is really important. He's talking to Christian people. He's talking to church people. And he's saying, Jesus knows how you are living your life and you are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm. And because you are like lukewarm water, he will spit you out of his mouth. And the Greek word that's actually used there is vomit, which is just gross, but you get the point. In the spiritual sense, lukewarmness is a picture of indifference. Right? It tries to play the middle. Too hot to be cold, too cold to be hot. Lukewarmness is inconsistency. It's apathy. It's consumerism and church shopping. It's faith without action and action without faith. It's listening to what Jesus taught, but not living it out. It's showing up to church on big holidays or just once in a while when your spiritual tank is on E, but instead of being filled up all the way, you fill it up just enough to get home and maybe get through the next few weeks. The lukewarm Christian has enough of Jesus to satisfy a craving for religion, but not enough of Jesus to experience the full life he has for them. But here's something I noticed this week. I've heard this verse and I've actually read it multiple times in my life, but I missed this and all the other times that I've read it. Check out what Jesus says in verse 15 again. It says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. So Jesus says, I wish you were hot or cold. And really that doesn't make a ton of sense. How could Jesus say that I wish you were cold in your face? 
And I think part of the reason is because of expectations. I mean, think about it. how frustrating is it if you're in a lukewarm dating relationship and you don't know if they're coming or going, right? You don't know if the next argument leads to growth and understanding or being broken up with. You don't know if you should adjust your life or your desires to fit with theirs because you aren't sure they're in it the way that you are. In a lukewarm relationship, you don't know how they feel. You don't know how to grow. You don't know what to expect. And that leads to anger and frustration and disappointment. Brene Brown's an author, and she says that clear is kind. And to be honest, I think that's what God wants from us, clarity. Are you in or are you out? Do you trust me fully or not? Are you staying or going? Are you following me and, ex- or, and expecting me just to bail you out when things get tough? And he actually says, I would rather you be hot or cold because lukewarm is unclear. And this is why we believe that God doesn't want us to just go to church, right? That's the middle. Sure, it's better than not attending, but it's not actually better than being invested in a church community. And so ask yourself, am I lukewarm? Am I Dunkin' Coffee? Ask yourself. (laughs) I'm not gonna stop, I'm sorry. (laughs) I have strong opinions about this. Right, is church something that I go to because I feel guilty? Is church something that I go to because other people do it? Or is faith something that's a priority to me? Does my faith in Jesus take precedence in my life? Am I hot or cold or am I lukewarm? And Jesus' deepest desire when it comes to this imagery is that we're like hot water, right? We need to be hot for Jesus, which sounds so weird. I don't know how else to say this, okay? Ultimately, what he's saying is Jesus wants our faith to be a priority, right? He wants our faith to be the filter that we use in our relationships, in our careers, in our time, in our energy, in our resources. And part of that is that Jesus wants church to be a priority because for us, that is a place where we grow in our faith and a safe place where we can make a positive impact on this world. And I know, and I know that some of you are here and you would say that you are cold, Right? If you were being honest, you would say your faith is cold, your trust in Jesus is cold, and that's okay. Jesus would rather you be cold than lukewarm because Jesus says, hey, I can work with cold. In fact, Jesus came to earth for people who were spiritually cold. In Luke 19.10, he says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Right? Jesus came to earth for people who were far from him, and then he left the church in charge with that same mission. So if you are spiritually cold or spiritually frozen, or you wouldn't even say you're on a cold to hot scale because you've been so far from cold for so long that you wouldn't even know how to describe it, or maybe you simply don't even believe at all, that's okay. This church is a safe place for you to figure out faith and belief. This church is a safe place to find community, to take next steps and to grow. But you don't need to carry some sort of shame because you don't believe or because you sprinted so far away from faith that you don't even know if there's anything left. Jesus would prefer that you are in that place and honest about it rather than to pretend like you're following him when you aren't because Jesus spits out the lukewarm. And this was me in college. I was very lukewarm. I was like Dunkin' Lattes, okay, people? Right, and this might be a little shocking to you because I'm a pastor. I went to a Christian school in the Bible Belt, but I probably went to church about once a month during the four years I lived in Tennessee. And to make matters worse, when I went to church, I was rarely in the same church for more than a few Sundays. 
At one point I'd counted, I had gone to over 30 different churches in college. And I know that feels like a lot, but this was a Bible Belt. There's 500 churches in the Tri-Cities area where I went to college. But I bounced around because I didn't absolutely love any of the churches I went to. Some were good, a lot weren't. But even the good ones weren't perfect for me. So I church shopped. I kind of went, I kind of worshiped, I definitely didn't serve and I definitely didn't give. But I mostly slept in and then lamented not having a church community to be a part of. And my faith struggled so much during that time. I stopped reading my Bible. I barely prayed. I didn't have any spiritual disciplines in my life. And it was four very long years of having lukewarm faith. And I didn't really realize it at the time, but it impacted my dating relationship with Ray. It impacted my friendships. It impacted my attitude, my mental health. It impacted my own identity. It impacted everything. And do you know what I would do if I could go back in time? I would have gone to the church where I could make the biggest difference, the church where I could find community. I wouldn't have tried to find the perfect church because the perfect church doesn't exist, but great churches do exist. And I went to great churches that didn't play worship in the style that I preferred, but they had great teaching. And I went to great churches that didn't have a ton of people my age, but made a huge impact on the community. And I went to great churches that didn't have the teaching that I always connected with, but I had amazing opportunities to learn and grow on Sunday mornings. But instead of setting down roots and going to one of those churches, I chose being lukewarm and the spiritual consequences of that. And so that leads us to our main takeaway for today. This is what I want you to write down. Stop going to church and set down roots. Stop going to church and set down roots. Don't make church something that you go to, something that you show up at when you wake up on time. Make this a priority. Make worship a priority. Make spiritual growth a priority. Make Bible reading and prayer a priority. Right? Commit to setting down roots for at least the next few months and really try to figure out if Jesus and church and collective is a place where you can flourish. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 92, and it says this, but the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. And I love this verse because the imagery is just so strong. And the word godly, which can also be translated to just or righteous, right? This isn't about perfect people. This is about people who pursue God. Right? This is about people who are faithful, not the lukewarm, but the hot. They will flourish like palm trees. And the word flourish means to thrive. It means to grow. It means to prosper. And this is what God wants for you. God wants you to flourish like palm trees. I know that when you hear the word palm tree, you're probably thinking Florida and pina coladas, but the palm branch was symbolic of triumph and victory during that time. In the Corinthian Olympic Games, whenever someone would win, they would be presented with a palm branch. It was a gold medal. So when you are rooted like a palm tree, you are thriving, you are prosperous, you are victorious. And it says you will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Cedars were known for their durability. They were known for being pleasant to look at and pleasing to smell. When King Solomon built his temple, he made the columns and the posts and the beams and the roof out of cedar because he wanted it to last for century. So God wants you to be rooted like the cedar, durable, strong, and lasting. Set down roots. What that means is consistency. What that means is priority. What that means is time. 
And I'm just talking about church and faith right now, but I think this is true in other areas of your life as well, right? Think about your marriage. You will not have a strong marriage if you are half in and half out. You will not have a strong marriage if you keep shallow roots or if you choose not to be rooted at all. If you want to have a flourishing marriage, if you want to have a strong marriage, you have to do what it takes to set down deep roots. What that means is you need to be vulnerable with each other. You you need to make time for each other. You cannot expect one date night a year on your anniversary to lead to a healthy marriage. It means making your marriage a priority over your job, over your hobby, over your kids. And you heard that right. Your marriage should come first because a healthy marriage will help you raise healthy kids, but an unhealthy marriage will greatly impact your ability to raise healthy kids. That's science, that's psychology, we know that's true. Set down roots in your marriage. Let's talk about health. You will not flourish in your health, whether it be mental, emotional, or physical health, if you do not set down roots. You cannot expect to get healthier or grow or heal heal mentally if you only see a therapist once or twice a year when things aren't going well. You cannot expect to flourish physically if you only go to the gym every once in a while. Yes, it starts with small steps. Yes, it starts with showing up. But if you truly want to flourish and be strong in your health, you have to set down roots. You have to make things a priority. You have to invest your time. And the same is true with church. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to have strong community, if you want to prosper in your faith, if you want to make a positive impact, you can't just go to church. In fact, you need to stop going to church in the same way you go out to eat or go to the movies or go to work. Make your faith a priority. Set down roots, invest, serve, be vulnerable, meet people, take a risk, be generous with your time and talents and resources. Set down roots. And just one of the ways that you do that is by making Sunday morning a priority, not just for you, but also your kids if you have them. I cannot begin to tell you how many conversations I have with 20 and 30-year-olds about their faith that starts with, my parents didn't really go to church, or we went to church on the holidays, or we went to a bunch of churches when we were kids, and now I'm struggling in my faith. Parents, it is up to you to create opportunities for your kids to set down roots. This is no longer just about you anymore. And if you don't make it a priority, they will also build a shallow faith. And I'm talking about teens, but I'm also talking about younger kids as well. And I say this at Collective often, but this auditorium is not the best place for your kids under sixth grade. When I write these messages, I do think about middle schoolers. I do think about high schoolers. I do think about adults. I do not think about elementary age kids and younger, and that's okay. Because Collective Kids is a specially designed place for them to set down their roots. So as my therapist reminds me all the time, create opportunities for positive things to happen. And you do that by putting your kids in Collective Kids so you can learn and grow in this space that was created just for you, and they can learn and grow in the space that was created just for them. Let me finish with this. This is not the perfect church. It's not. We are far from it. But if you're looking at collective and thinking, can I find community here? Can I grow here? Can I make a difference here? Can my kids find friends here? Can I be honest and real about who I am here? Can I belong here? The answer is yes. Whether you follow Jesus or not, the answer is yes. We are not perfect. I am not perfect. And if that's what you are looking for in a church, you will be very disappointed. 
But this is a church where if you choose to set down roots, you will flourish. And if you do that for six months and then realize collective isn't the right fit for you or your family, you can check out a new church, but you can do so with peace and you can do so and continue to cheer us on because it's not out of frustration or animosity, but out of a place of clarity where you've realized collective just isn't your flavor and that's okay. And ultimately, it's not about collective at all though. It's about God. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to grow. God wants you to be strong. God wants you to experience life to the fullest. Ultimately, God wants what is best for you because he loves you. Cold, lukewarm, hot, faithful, or faithless, it doesn't matter. The question for you, though, is how do you respond? Let's pray. God, ultimately, um, I think all of us are here because there's a piece of us that wants to learn. God, there's a piece of us that wants to grow. There's a piece of us that wants to see what you can do in our lives. Or, or there's a piece of us that just wants good community. And so, God, we're here and we're wrestling with this. And we're wrestling with our own faith and our own next steps and our own life. And so, God, I pray today is a day where every single one of us, doesn't matter if we're going to church for one week or our whole life, God, that today is a day where we decide to take another step forward in our faith. God, that we stop looking at church as something that we just go to. It's not a hobby. It's not entertainment. But it's a place where we can grow spiritually. God, it's a, a place where our relationships can grow. It's a place where we can become a better spouse or a better parent. It's a place where our mental health can heal a little bit. So God, I pray that for every single one of us that we start looking at church as something that we belong to. To be honest, God, something that we need. And I pray that Collective continues to be that type of church where people can say, hey, this is a community that I can be a part of, where I can be real. God, we don't pretend to be perfect. You're the only one who's perfect and we're thankful for that. God, but help us continue to be a church that allows people to come into a safe place and a safe community to figure out what this whole faith thing looks like. God, ultimately help us move closer to being pleasing like hot water rather than lukewarm. God, um, we're so thankful that you love us and we're so thankful for the grace that you offer us because we know as we pursue this, we're gonna fall short, we're gonna make mistakes. But God, we know that every single time you're gonna pick us back up and keep moving us in the right direction. God, that's what we pray for this week. And God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.